I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be back in studio. Happy Balls Wednesday, one and all. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house as well. On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. And away we go, man. You know, we are only, that's right, kids. Think about at the end of this week how this is going to sound. We're only 72 days away from the start of college football. We are Kenny Shaw days away from Florida State football. And that's uh, it's a fun exercise when you start you know looking at the numbers of those that came before. Kenny Shaw was always beloved. This fan base loves them some Kenny Shaw. So when I saw the number was 81 today, I was like, ah, Kenny, that's a number I do remember. I'm, I'm terrible with numbers a lot of times, but Kenny I'll always remember. That guy was tough. In modern times, that Oklahoma game, I believe Woo! we would have the football after a targeting foul. Oh, in modern times, people are tossed left and right. But it was, I mean, you know, listen, in real football, that's just a good hit. Tough play. It was. He might have caught the ball, too. Yeah. Might have caught it. Yeah. But yeah. at any rate, yeah, Kenny was among the toughest that I've ever seen at the position because he took four or five shellackins in his career. You know, tomorrow we get to Rashad Green Day. That's right. We're back-to-back receivers oh. kicking ass. Coach huh? Dugans. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Rashad went on to break the, all the records. So that's you true. Gotta get, that you got to give it to Rashad is yeah. the problem. Yeah. You know, you got to give it to Rashad at that point. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where we're at. I mean, I I will admit to you that I always look at that college football number more than I do uh, the numbers to Florida State football. I love Florida State, obviously, and we did the central theme on this show. But college football, the start of college football is just a celebration. It's like all that's right in the world. Like, oh, my God, we made it. Uh, the never-ending summer is behind us, and we've got football now to satiate whatever troubles uh, we may find jumping around our brains. You can just sit down on a given night and watch college football, knowing that that is your out, that's your pacifier for the week is a beautiful thing. So we're 72 days and 20-some-odd hours away from the start of college football. That When he gets into the 60s, it's real. Yeah. Oh, well, and in our job, the way I look at it is Camp how far away is August 1st? Because it's roughly, give or take, a few days from August 1st every year with camp. That's six weeks. That's six weeks. Yeah. When you say six weeks until, I don't feel like there's enough time now. Bed, bath, and beyond, which RIP. But I don't think there's enough time. That means there's a month until we go to, it's actually five weeks because it's a little bit later this year. Yeah, go but to Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. For the ACC kickoff. 
Dude, it's right around the corner. So we get back into the age-old discussion. I do this all the time. Certain weeks, as opposed to months, as opposed to years, as opposed to days, as opposed to hours, sound closer and better. So when you say six weeks, that feels long to me. 42 days feels like no time at all. 42 days, my God, it's nearly on top of us. What do we, we should leave here now. Well, 72, right? Versus six weeks. Yeah, so what did I say? Six times? 42. Yeah, yeah, yeah 42. I yeah. agree. 42 sounds a hell of a lot better than six weeks because it is. But 72 versus six weeks, I'll take the six weeks. Yeah. Man, so 72 days to the start of college football. I don't know which sounds longer or shorter there. That's I'm, I'm wearing on it. Think yeah. about it this way. Everybody's got a July 4th holiday or vacation that they do. Most everybody. You got that. You've got the U.S. Open this week in golf. You've oh, got the yeah, Open no, no. Championship. Yeah. Outside of that, there's just three other weeks that exist. It's beautiful. Yeah, U.S. Open begins tomorrow. Can't wait. How to survive the Open in the rough. Pray for par. Can you get up and down from brutal wise? How well do you score around the green from the rough? Who are the dark horse players? We'll throw some names out there today to have some fun, to make you some money. I do this all the time. Um, look, Sepp Straka has made 75% of his cuts in majors, so looks comfortable at this level, Sepp Straka, to make the cut. Do you want a little bet? I'll give you a little Sepp Straka in the opening segment to make the cut. All right? You want another one? I got another one for you. Patrick Rogers. Patrick Rogers to finish in the top 30. Let's go. I got money picks for all you guys. Let's go. These are value odds, Tom. These are these are picks where guys have shown, um, you know, uh, they're trending in the in the right direction. There's some other factors you asked about. Patrick Rogers. He played at Stanford. Played at Stanford. Played this course a million times. Has played well on this course. Has a strong record here. Uh, has five top thirty finishes in his last seven starts. He's consistent. It's a weird question. Mm. Perhaps out of left field. Mm. Is Daniel Berger alive? Yeah, so, you know, he had surgery, and he's been out for the entire season, and it's weird you bring this up. Florida State's own Daniel Berger just made news last week. I was doing some research. He's hitting balls again, starting to feel better. He had a serious injury he had to deal with. He tried to play through it. He wasn't getting the results that he wanted. His advisor said, you'd be better off right now just taking the year. This is what Brooks Kepka needed to do but wouldn't, and it led yep. to an emotional breakdown and a crisis that we all watched out play out during full swing where he couldn't, you know, he couldn't handle not being able to do things that his body had been able to do before. So he could think them and he could see them, but he couldn't execute them. And he flipped out, quite literally flipped out and made all kinds of crazy decisions. But Daniel Berger was in a similar position where he had a couple different injuries. And next thing you know, he was not getting results. He's, he's missing a cut. He's not hitting the ball well. And he was a model of consistency prior to that. So I mean, this is a guy who made the Ryder Cup team. So you, you're looking at that thinking, hey. Yeah. Well, and in Brooks' second major championship victory, Daniel was right there in the leaderboard at mm -hmm. Shinnecock. Mm -hmm. This is a layout, I think, that screams Daniel Berger. And it's just a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. As we're looking at the way the course, you have to matriculate the ball around the course, the slopes. Oh, it's a hard course. The it's a fun course. This course has something for everybody. Oh, I love this course. A lot of people don't. I love this course. And I, and I will tell you this. Trey Jones told me this, and so straight from the horse's mouth. Florida State's played on this course and the Walker Cup and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. They all universally praise this course that a lot of different kinds of players can win here. Yep. And and mm -hmm. you, I mean, obviously, you got to be on top of your game. There's challenges for everybody here, uh, but it's not just a bomber's paradise. It's not. And it's bent grass. Same as at Augusta. So you can, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things here that can help you out. Well, the thing that I really love about this course is 
across the 18 holes, you'll see something from one of your favorite places. You'll see something from overseas in yeah, Scotland. Yeah, yeah. You'll see everybody hated the place up in uh, Puget Sound. Uh, where what was that called? That course. It's a uh, Jordan. You know, Dustin Johnson yeah, choked it away yeah, on 18. Choked it away on 18. Chambers Bay. Chambers Bay, yep. So Chambers Bay, you'll see something from there. You'll see shots like Augusta has with the slopes, and you've got to hit an opposite trajectory off of a slope. Uh, it's got something like you'll see at the match play, which is now defunct, but these huge elevation changes and the rolling fairways, this course is outstanding. Small greens. Small greens, okay. really penal. The postage stamp over there, which is one of the famous short par threes yep, in the world. Yep. Or if you want to go up this co the coast to Pebble Beach, uh, was it number seven at Pebble? Is one of the shortest par threes in the world. This could play at 77 yards. Yeah. No, it's a fun It's a fun course. It's a fun. This will be a great. And we get to watch it in prime time, guys. Yep. yep. So this has been a uh, this has been a good week. Last night hockey ends. Uh, Vegas wins going away nine to three. The run is over for Florida for all the South Florida teams for that matter. Tragic to see that happen, huh? But uh, you know, so Vegas wins, and unfortunately that was nine to three. That wasn't worth watching. But I, I, you know, watching Denver secure a championship since the last time we were together. Uh, there's a lot to like about that. There's some things that carry over to leadership that I really like that Jordan Travis has that uh, Jokic has. And and it, it's sort of this quiet leadership, this deflection, this very focused, I've got a job to do sort of leadership. Murray does this as well. If you think about that tandem, you think about the guys that lead a team, uh, first of all, for Jokic, 600 points, 269 rebounds, 190 assists throughout the playoffs. He's the only player in NBA history to lead all players in each of those categories in a single postseason. Nobody's ever done it. Not Michael Jordan, not Will Chamberlain, not Bill Russell, not anybody. Nobody but him. That's it. That's all. The players that have ever done that before. So the next time somebody tries to tell you he's not good or tries to downplay his greatness, throw that stat at their ass. Nobody before has ever done it, what he just did. Now, does that make him better than Michael Jordan? No. But if you're in a category in which the conversation is around those kinds of players having either barely not achieved this or having done that, you are an all-time transcendent player. Yeah, the number one thing to me, we talked about this a week ago, but 30-20-10 triple doubles. There's been five <laughs> in history. Yeah. He's got three of them. Five in playoffs history, and he's got three. So he's doing, you know, in his own regard, yeah. what Steph Curry did to the three-pointer, which is he's achieving numbers that nobody well, had done before, and he's going to be miles ahead of the competition. When it's all said and done. Yeah, hey, Steph's a good example. You know, like, I thought Steph was, at first I thought that was cute. What Steph was doing yeah. later on, I realized it was uh, a level of greatness that had never been seen before. And, you know, every era is hard to compare because I get it. If you're from a bygone era where you could put your hands on a guard, you'd say, well, that wouldn't have happened. Well, probably not. But he's not. He's in this era. But and, maybe. He's and he's doing something that nobody's ever done. <laughs> maybe yeah, it would have yeah. because nobody would extend. They'd say, you can have that shot. And you say, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he's the first guy to step across from the logo and just decide to make that at 40% clip. Sure. That's a toughie. I don't want to expend my, extend my defense that far because he's going to blow past me. Goes, oh, yeah, that's the other aspect. He also has the best handles we've ever seen. So, yeah, there's that too. Um, yeah, no, listen, they run the offense all through Jokic in that situation. You watch everything that comes out of this. It's open looks for other guys. It's Michael Porter Jr. wide open shooting threes because – that man is facilitating all of that, and Murray's a great player to play with him. That, it was fun to, to watch. I, I, there's one moment. I want to go back to when they, in the only game they lost in the series because I think that is a, a, a better uh, tale of who he is and the reason that they're steady and the players respect him as a leader and work through him. And this is where I was getting with Jordan Travis. 
I like in today's era of look at me because the kids grow up on cameras. This is not me making fun of. This is the direct result of everything you do is filmed or photographed, and it creates a mindset for the competitors and really of students today, just in general. And, and you have to be mindful of this as a parent when you're talking to your kids because it's totally different than when we grew up. Thank goodness there weren't cameras around every turn. And I would dare say every celebrity that came before the modern era where we all carry around pocket computers that act as elite uh, cameras, um, that we, we, we were, we're thankful that that happened because my early days of college would have seen me thrown out if somebody had filmed the stuff that was going on there and, um, I, my, you know, the silly parties you went to in high school or whatever else. So it is a very different mindset, good and bad. The bad, though, is that everybody is a showman and everybody is constantly trying to show you they care. But a lot of times it's contrived. They know the camera's running. So if they lose a game or if they win a game, they have almost a patent response to those outcomes that they want you to see. They want you to see, especially if they're stars, because they're creating a brand and they're creating money for themselves down the road. They're creating the narrative they want set about them. So they understand in many ways, through no fault of their own, nonetheless annoying, that because the camera's on them at all times, they have to show you something of who they are, or at least what they want you to think they are at the end of a quarter, at the end of a good play or a bad play, at the end of a game, at the end of a good result or a bad result. And that drives me bananas because that's where you get the let's go and all the stupid stuff in the camera that everybody then regurgitates and imitates over and over again. You see Tom Brady do it once. You've seen him do it a million times. I don't know who started it, but it's stupid. And it's really annoying. And it's fake. It's all fake. It's all fake. And then every now and then you see a guy where there's none of that. And I'm not saying I'm Mr. Go hand the ball back to the official after you score and act like you've been there before. No, 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 no. Celebrate all you want. Celebrate. It's hard to score. I said this yesterday on headlines. Spike the ball. Do whatever you want. That's fine. Within reason. Obviously, that's fine. Celebrate after home runs. I don't get mad after that. You can spin the bat if you want. I mean, you know, again, within reason. We all know what that is. It's the classic, uh, we all speed. Let's yeah. not do 120 and a 70. That, but, you know, I that got you. line has moved in recent years. That line has moved about yeah. what you can do, how long you can admire how long home you can do. Yeah, it moves. It, it ebbs Somewhere and flows. Brian McCann is just angry at all times because of it. Right. So you want you don't want to quite be him, but at the same time, there's it's there's a, a reasonable amount of time that you're allowed to celebrate a personal accomplishment yeah. without somebody deciding, I'm going to take umbrage with that. Maybe your knees will pay the price. These things happen. You have to be aware of where it is at all times. I got it. What I like to see is something that is genuine. Whether that's joy or anger, frustration, sadness, whatever it might be, as long as it feels like it's genuine, they lose that game to the Heat, uh, and Jokic is walking off the court the second the clock strikes zero, and there's no, there's no pouting, there's no frustration, there's no yelling, there's also, uh, you know, no false, uh, I, I, I guess, uh, body language. It's just a steady. I'm walking to the locker room. But while he's walking to the locker room, the camera catches him coming off the course because they're hoping to catch something. They want to see something that they can, you know, utilize in their highlight reel. And he doesn't give him anything. He's just walking. And the whole team is doing the same thing. He's kind of just walking. Game's over. And he could see he's processing, why did that happen? What did, what did we do wrong? They're trying to learn from what just happened. It's a game. And when you play at an elite level, when you're trying to win championships in four states, case trying to get to the college football playoff this year, you're going to come across a couple of other teams that have the capability of stopping what it is you want to do. And you have to figure out why that's happening. You have to do it in-game, and certainly you have to do it after-game if you lose one. 
But what you can't do is be worried about all of the other outside stuff. It's got to be about fixing this now or remedying this set of circumstances, whatever it might be, because other people will obviously take notice and follow. Jordan Travis is not a vocal guy. And this is where the comparison, I think, is apt. Am I saying Jordan Travis is going to go on to be the all-time greatest or one of the greatest players in college football history or even Florida State history? No. It's a chance. There's a chance. If they go win the national championships this year and he was a Heisman, we'd be having a different conversation. Runs for another six, 700 yards. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's a chance. But here's, here's what he does, and here's where he's similar. He's not very vocal at all, and Jokic is not vocal either. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like to talk about it. He doesn't want to have the conversation. But he's got to be – he's got to lead by example – for who he is, right? And pick your moments. Pick your moments to pull guys aside. And this is where when we get to watch practice, we get the 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 added advantage of seeing facets of Jordan that nobody gets to see on a field in a game. We get to see it in practice. Whether it was last year in practice when Micah Pittman had a tough day and dropped three passes, and that was very unlike Micah at that time. He wasn't a dropper. He didn't drop the ball a lot. He dropped three passes in a practice in the third one. He got so mad at himself that he threw the ball against the wall and he was cursing. And Jordan Travis waited a tick, finished a rep, and then came over and slapped him on the back of the head and kind of made a joke. And, and, and I don't know exactly what he said. Whatever it was, it looked real, it looked genuine. You saw Mike and nod his head. The first chance he got, he came back to him. Play was made. That's a subtle form of leadership there. That's a subtle form of I got your back. That is not a look at me. I'm going to yell something. We need you. There's none of that nonsense. It was sort of, I think he needs this now. That's important. This team's got that, I mean, in abundance from a lot of guys. Yeah, I think that the critical point there is that Jordan didn't turn into that because he thought he needed to be. That that step in the process never happened where he went from battling with Mackenzie Milton to this is your job from one offseason to the next. You didn't see a facade go up and a fake leader emerge, you know, who wasn't genuine and, and sticking to his principles. Jordan has been very consistent whether he was battling for a job or yeah. whether he had the yeah. job. Yeah. One to two. It one looks exception. The same. One exception. The NC State game. It's really the only time where we saw him grappling with something that he had never had to deal with before. Yeah. And he kind of showed emotions in a way that almost seemed completely out of character for him, where he was a little bit petulant, uh, frustrated and angry, uh, kind of reacted in ways that certainly a quarterback cannot. Yeah, I thought actually there was a little bit of that too in the wake game because there was, there was this frustration. Because yeah, the offense was really bogged they, down And they early. hardly had the ball, you know, because we couldn't get stops. And so there's just this mounting pressure that every possession counts for so much more. This is the pressure that we wish to apply on the opponent mm. this year, where you can feel that, man, if we come up empty again, this is going to be an insurmountable deficit. We can't go chase this down. We can't go run it down. So I, I thought there was a little bit there, but there's no doubt it reaches crescendo at NC State. But you didn't see him lash out and take these extra steps that a lot of players, a lot of young players especially, would yeah. do. It was an issue, but it was corrected pretty quickly. And again, if you look at the difference between the way he handled the NC State situation, in which a lot of his teammates were failing him. He was failing too, but he was being failed before he no, a started. Lot drops, a lot of drops. Trap. A lot of drops. And then the Florida game, which required him to go above and beyond the Carry failures the of his teammates. Mm -hmm. What a different response that was. Maturity. And he continued to stay the course, and he's really steady. He's very consistent. Um, when you when you hear teammates talk about Jokic and Jamal Murray and guys like that, it's that 
they're the least high maintenance players despite being the best on the team. You really love that, right? When your best players are the one with the work ethic and the ability to to be even, to be even keel through the greatest heights and the lowest lows, right? You have an you have a, you have an opportunity at that point to have the kind of unifying force in a locker room that allows coaches to to really worry about other things, more important things like game plans and all that other stuff as opposed to ensuring that every pocket of this group or this clique is working together. You don't have to worry about that when your best players are your hardest workers and the steadiest of emotions and the most consistent of workers. Yeah, I'd argue that Jordan, and this is, again, seeing the outside, uh, seeing practice and then seeing what happens outside the practice as they walk to campus and, and things that are away from football. I'd argue that Jordan carries himself with more swagger away from the field than he does on the field, outwardly. I think he's more confident in life. Oh, away from I would the football imagine being a because, successful quarterback at right. Florida State would do that for right. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But on the field, uh, yeah, he is just another guy there. Yeah, and he's yeah. happy to be. Who's putting in the work. That's the way it has to be, quite frankly. I mean, everybody suffers together. <laughs> it's hard work. Football's hard. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply oh Josh, what a mess. jeff cameron show on a balls mcwednesday how are you You know who's going to play well this week, and I'm going to curse it for bringing it up. Maybe I won't bring it up. And I only need him to because uh, I've got him in a couple. Yeah, I've got him in a couple of pools. But this course just plays right for him. Jordan Spieth should play really well here. It takes a lot of creativity. Uh, He putts well on this kind of grass. It's wide fairways. Where his driver, which can get a little wayward, don't doesn't hurt him. Um, you know, if you think about him winning at Augusta, and you think about Chambers Bay, which you mentioned, and yep. Burkdale, and places like that, six top 
six finishes in his last 11. So he's not, he's, he's been in good form and, um, you know, they're bent grass. Uh, he's he's had an uptick in his career on bent grass. He's he's pelted better there. I didn't realize it was bent, mm-hmm. and that is the velvet. Uh, I mean, that is the best. You know, if, usually, it's Poe out there. Yeah, no, it's bent grass here. So he smooth. This this could be it. Could be a good course for. But him. it is up to the USGA. This is very inside golf. Don't care. Uh, it's a slow week. If they turn these greens up. And they burn them out. And I wonder if they're going to do that from the get-go. Because the weather is going to be L.A. It's L.A. It's perfect. Perfect. It's perfect. 70 degrees. So it's not the temperature is not going to help them bake them out. But there are some of these undulations with these pin placements that you can use almost as a receiver of the golf ball. And, and mm-hmm. it feeds down like it's mini golf. But if they burn it out, that's not going to work. You'll have to be pinpoint precise because there's another tier behind the hole or to the side of the hole. And so it'll just roll past if there's too much spin. And it'll roll into the bunkers, into the rough, off the front of the green. You'll see what I mean out there on Thursday or Friday. If they bake these things, you'll say, oh, that's a gorgeous shot. And it just keeps rolling. And you say, that's BS. Well, they can't put any spin on it if they're coming out of the rough. I think the whole thing is just hitting from the fairway. Like, those guys are pinpoint accurate to the to the numbers sometimes. So, if you are, if you're hitting out of the rough, you can't put any, you know, you're not going to be able to stop it. And you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. So, I to me, it's, you know, accurate got to be accurate. The other thing is bunkers are usually saving graces in the U.S. Opens. The softest in the, in the world just but about there, yeah. This this has potential for plugging and buried lies. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Fun. If you're in the fairways, you could score really low for a U.S. Open, I think. You could be closer to double digits under par. But if you run into any trouble at all, there's a 7, there's an 8. I, mean, I love the fact like that, that some guys could go low and then turn around and throw up a 78. I mean, I, I, like, the, yeah. I like rewards for great shots, and I also like Real punishment at a U.S. Open, especially real punishment for either being overly aggressive or not executing. And if you don't execute and you're way off the beaten path and you got to hit from the thick stuff, man, well, that's that's a test of your game. You know, that's what you want to see. All right, let's get back to football for a second. I wanted to do this because you and I were talking about it during the break. I know the boys that wake up Warchan, I think, unveiled uh, the first part of the top 40. Did and, we do and that the already? And smash as well. Yep. And smashed mm-hmm. it as well. So what do we have so far? And then I'll get to ours. Let's. Uh... So 36 through 40 has been revealed. We are now about to roll out the staff's you know, conglomerate, the pick for 31 to 35. So we'll unveil that. But can I see the 36 through 40? I want to see. Yes. Do we have a graphic? I want to just we see. We do. It. Yeah. We'll pull it up in just a moment. All right. I just want, I want to see it and go over to get, together because we haven't had a chance to talk about others yet. Um, yeah, I want to I want to see that 36 through. There we go. Oh, and in, in, in between, we got the 31 through 35. Um, okay. Tate, Kevin Knowles, ooh. DJ Lundy, Ja'Kai Douglas, Winston Wright. That rounded out. This was the composite. That's correct. Uh, DJ Lundy was hurt at 38 by your boy here, not putting him on the list at all. Sorry so, about that, DJ. So you didn't put him on the list. Because I don't know who the third best linebacker is. And is the, it Omar Graham? Is it, it DJ Lundy? Is it Blake Nicholson? I don't know who it's going to be. Whom we heard from. So we'll have to we'll have to talk about that. I think, by the way, what this illustrates is something I've said before, Tom, which I'm concerned about. I just I don't like our linebacker room. Just don't like it. I don't think it's championship level. I don't even think it's a plus level. I could have put in a slot in the top 40 linebacker three because this is about opportunity for impact. That's how we grade the top 40. It's just when you don't know who that player is going to be, it's it's hard to pick one. 
For the record, I had Lundy at 37, right. so it wasn't like I had him way above where you had him. I think it's up for grabs, you know, and and if you can find somebody who can cover, and this was interesting to me because Blake Nicholson, when he was interviewed uh, yesterday as yes. part of the newcomers, yes. he was asked, what's the best part of your game? I think it was Aslan who asked the question, and Blake responded, well, I'm really good at coverage, sideline to sideline, making plays in coverage because that's the modern part of playing linebacker. We haven't had a guy who could do it in some time. If he's telling the truth, He's your third best linebacker. Well, I to your point, I had Lundy and Omar Graham 37-38 because I don't know which of those two is going to be the guy at three. I would think it's Lundy because of the experience. It's it's a fascinating uh, endeavor here when we do this because this this is a year where we have some real talent that gets gets snubbed. And all of us, I think, later on, looking back at the top 40, have some regrets, you know, where you kind of look and you're like, yeah, you know what? I should have put him in there. I should have put him in there. You know, I, I don't think um, – I'm pretty sure I don't have Ja'Kai Douglas on my list. I never do. I do uh, because, again, with his shiftiness, he's going to be going against – That's what I was getting at, though. I think you're right, and I'm wrong. I oh, think okay. he should have been in the top 40. I, I think I screwed him over. Um, I didn't put Winston Wright on my list, which is crazy because last year all of us – had him on the list. I've got him on the list. I've got him on the list. You're one of three staff members to do that. Yeah. And And he needs to be on the list because, I mean, it. I guess maybe that's wishful thinking, but he has to be what we thought he could be when we brought him in. And if he, I'm only asking you be at the lower level of the top 40 here as a slot guy. I, I would think that's possible if he's just back fully healthy. If he is, he's a top 25 player. He's a top perhaps 20 player. If he's the same person that he was before the accident. Yeah, he would be that high. It's just it, it's hard to assume that because the evidence that we've seen is that he's not back to 100 percent. But maybe they're saying, hold on, big shooter, just go through the motions and then we'll turn it up in the fall. We'll see. Most intriguing guy on the list. that, And again, this was unveiled earlier on the smash as well as uh, wake up watching at that 36 through 40. And we'll give you here's 31 through 35 composite in just a second. It's up there on the list if you're watching right now. But for those, for radio purposes uh, and and later the podcast, I'll read those in just a second. I I do like commenting on these players because there's a lot of intrigue around this team and these players and what roles they'll play and what level they're at in terms of the depth and the percentage of snaps they're going to play and how great their contribution could be to a team that is trying to win the ACC and get back into a position to make the college football playoff. Look at a guy like Kevin Knowles who – I don't know, Tom. Do you feel like Kevin Knowles is an afterthought? Well, clearly he is. I, I, I mean, Last like, year he was a starter. Everybody knew he was going to be a starter, and he did. He played their injury, but he did start, was it 11 games last yeah, season? he played a ton. I don't think I put him on my list. He's, not on, he's not on my list. Yeah. I did not put him on my list. I don't even feel like he'll hardly play. I'm hoping tough love Cameron comes through here. He's got the capability. I just you watch such a dramatic drop off from two guys in particular that it frustrates you to no end. One of them's at Colorado now, and the other one's Kevin Knowles. You're just like, come on, man. Yeah. Where was the natural progression for the amount of time you were getting in your career arc? What what, well, what happened there? And, and he wasn't able to work with his new position coach. You know, just stinks. It, it, he wasn't able to go through full contact. That's just the way it was. So Kevin Knowles will get a crack at it in fall. Look, he's got a chance. It's like Winston Wright. He's the Winston Wright of the defense in that sense. His freshman year, he looked like he was on the brink of becoming a cornerstone defensive back. But the other problem with the equation here from Kevin Knowles' perspective is that Greedy Vance has gotten better and better and better, and he profiles as a slot corner. 
It's only one of those. <laughs> Good job, the GOAT, Travis J. We should put him in there in honor of Travis J. Hey, to answer uh, James P., not B., uh, wide state automakers in there, backup quarterback's always kind of going to be in there. It, it, it just Listen, it's not like we've seen Jordan Travis make it through a season unscathed. I mean, Tate had to come in and basically win the Louisville game for you last year. So I'd love to see Jordan get through this entire season without any problems. You hope not to see Tate unless it's in uh, uh, garbage time. Which would be a lot. Well, yeah, there's the opportunity certainly for us to be a big on a lot of teams this year. But I really, you you know, you can't underestimate the importance of a backup quarterback if he is to play in a season in which you're trying to win the conference. And you let's say let's say Jordan's got to miss two three games. Then how valuable is State Rodemaker if he's the second string quarterback? I'm assuming he's going to be. But again, that's that's he's critical. Uh, I can see point. why he would be there. Yeah. So here we go. Let's do the composite of uh, 31 through 35, I think it is. Yep, 31 through 35. 31 through 35. Here's the list now. Uh, Gilbert, Ed, well, you only started at 35, sorry. Darius Washington from the offensive line. He is a plug-play guy across the line. He is a uh, kind of jack-of-all-trades that you put in there. I don't think Darius Washington's going to start, uh, but I think Darius Washington is a guy that, you know, you, you need a guard for a day. There you go. You need a tackle for a day? Okay. Got to put him at center? Okay. But he can do that for you, so he's up and down the line for you. Yes, I agree. This is a capable offensive lineman. There are two staff members on Warchant, at Warchant, who did not put him in the top 40. You know who they are? No. You and me. That's how far Florida State has come, that this is a capable. This is not just... Yeah, capable is the way I describe Darius. Yes, but... Capable. You, he That's why go, he didn't make my top four. He's just capable. But he doesn't go in the game and you say, we're going to lose because Darius is in there. Watch him get blown by. Like Correct. He did. He's capable. Remember, there was a right tackle when we made the trip up to Boston College nearly mm, 10 years ago. I said, he's mm. getting beat every play. Oh, that was something. We had the uh, we had the coach's uh, cam right there. We were right there at the bird's eye view. Watch this. I know, Tom. You've said it 14 times. I've seen it. I'm but it's watching been it. true 14 He got beat times. on every yeah. single play. Yeah. yeah, Darius Washington, replacement level player. Yeah, you know, war wins yeah. above. Replace. He, I mean, he is a good player. He's a good player, but he's, he's not right, top forty. Yeah, he's right at zero. Right. That's he, why he's he's, at, a, he's not a minus player, but right. he's not a, he's not a plus. That's player. why he's thirty five. Many of the staff had him uh, a lot higher, but both you and I said, no, nah, he's not in the top forty. If we need Darius Washington, we got problems. I mean, I, I don't I, know that I go that uh, far. It means we've had a problems. Me, we've had problems. It doesn't mean that we necessarily will. Will have problems. All right, so this is an intriguing one. Kyle Morlock comes in at 34, and if you look at Kyle Morlock, the first thing I said to you was that he's a lot bigger than I thought he would be. Um, it, it, it lower body. He was a lot bigger and stronger than I thought he would be. I thought that was important because, again, you want your staff on offense to be multiple, where you can't allow the defense to sub, where you can keep guys on the field and run whatever you want to run because they're capable. And in the case of Kyle Morlock, the question would be, can you block with him? That's a big target, a red zone target at 6'7". He runs well. Of course, he played his football shorter college, so you don't know the transition, how quickly he's able to make it. But if practice were a fair estimation, I would tell you that against much better athletes than he faced at shorter, he held. He did more than hold his own. He was able to run. He was able to make plays. He was consistent. The, the To me, the stage was not too big. He didn't seem overwhelmed thrust into this role. And listen, he's not your one or your two at tight end. He's your three. Uh, you know, to me, the Biscuit's ahead of him. So, I, 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 Morlock will play a nice role. I think Morlock 
next year, not this upcoming yeah. year, the yeah. following year, will be a star for you. I think he's just going to be a nice piece this year. I was very curious to see how the staff would rank the tight end room, and everybody had Marquise and Douglas as their second tight end. Oh, man. In fact, two members of the staff did not have Kyle Morlock on the list. In this case, it was Corey and Ira, and I can understand that logic. If Jaheim Bellett and Marquise and Douglas are both healthy for the entirety of the season, then Kyle Morlock may not be that big of a factor but he is absolutely fit for the Power 5 level as an athlete. This is not somebody who's Oh, he's a good place. athlete. He's a big target. Yeah, I but, like Kyle more like a lot. I probably like him more than most. You had him at 31. I had him at 34. So, yes. Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. in agreement there. I like Kyle, man. I think they're going to find a way to utilize that skill set. He's um, he's a talent, and, and you don't get many guys at 6'7 that run like that. Now we got two guys at 6'7 that can really run. Yes, yes, we do. Red zone. This gets back to what we, and that's why he was as high as he was on my list because I think you put that out there with six seven Johnny Wilson, and you got real problems if you're a defense. This is a reason why, and putting together this list was fun for the first time in a long time, really fun because what I did when I sat down and typed these out, I thought about, well, how best to utilize this player and what does it mean? And what does it mean in terms of Snap counts and roles that they'll play specifically and how valuable is that role. So you could come up with it. And Kyle Morlock, you think, in the red zone is going to make some big plays. So I, I, I like Kyle quite a bit. 33, Zaria Thomas, AZ, is a kid that could be way up higher on this list if he just realizes his potential. The length and the fluidity and the athleticism and the body type, it's all there. I feel like he should be a star. He had a nondescript camp. He did nothing to merit us getting excited. He was just out there. And I think that's why he's this low on the list, because if you looked at his potential when he first got here and you saw all of the attributes, you'd say, that's a star in the making. Maybe, again, he's young. He's very young. I have to remind myself that it's not right to take a second-year kid and tell everybody he's going to be a superstar. You know, he played a ton last year yeah. as a freshman, yep. as a freshman. So he's right on pace. He's right on pace. Yeah, it's just about that breakthrough moment for him when he locks it down. It has not come yet. Nobody on the staff had him in their top 30, which I found surprising as well. Uh, that means that we're all watching practice and we're seeing that mm -hmm. there has not been that breakthrough where every day you say 20 is one of the best players on that defense. He's got it in him. He has the instincts. In fact, towards the end of last season, one of the few players who could play zone and understood what was to him. do in zone yeah, was Azarie. Mm -hmm. I think part of it, this is unfair for the defensive backroom. You have a new position coach who might have new keys and principles. I'm not saying they're overhauling the scheme. I'm just saying that you might be swimming. Some guys might be quicker learners, might adapt to his teaching style more. By the time we get to fall camp, I think we'll have a better indication of who was maybe swimming in spring and who just is not emerging, period. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and nowadays, you got to sink or swim here. Uh, we, we, we're yeah. recruiting over top of you in both in both ways. Yes. And now now you gotta you got to get with the getting. I don't have time for you to be pussyfooting for two and a half years. Let's, the, let's go. The size of these guys in yeah. this class, and it's, a couple more spoke to the media, Conrad Hussey, Edwin mm -hmm. Joseph, Jabril Rawls, to go along with K.J. Kirkland and Quindarius Jones. Well, you're bringing in real players now. I mean, let's let's talk about it. We're hey. bringing in, like, Florida State-level players, like, like we matter again. They are large. Uh, take a look at that list again real quick. I was just going to say this. When we come back, I'll do 31 and 32. Take a quick break here because I think the discussion around 32 uh, is going to be interesting. And then I think it, the same goes for 31 because you may ask me why. And I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second as well. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.
Hey guys, our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick and easy to remember. So I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this too, it is... um, a simple, effective investment for your health. You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash JCS. Again, that's go to, all you got to do is go to uh, drinkag1.com slash JCS. That's drinkag1.com slash JCS. Check it out. It's delicious. It's quick. It's easy. It's proven. Vitamins, probiotics. Whole food source nutrients. Start your day with it. You'll feel better. I promise. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. On a meet on a rocky mountain street. You know what's fascinating about the numbers conversation and what these players will or will not do. I'm not so sure in the modern approach to football and the the leaders at the end of every year for the best offense. Uh, in the country, that Florida State will have anybody in the conversation if it were solely based on numbers and not just efficiency and obviously wins and points and those kinds of things. Like, I I think the offense is going to be prolific. I think the offense is going to be a top-10 offense. I think the offense is going to be a threat against any defense it faces because of the sheer amount of weapons that they have to utilize coupled with uh, a quarterback that, when all things break down, can just run for 25 yards and get down. You know, all of a sudden, you just have so many things you're worried about when facing Florida State. Size, good feet and depth on the offensive line, players that can bend and pull and really do things there. Multiples in terms of tight ends that can do a lot of things in the middle of the field and in the red zone, but can also block wide receivers that possess height and speed at 6'7 and 6'4 and 6'4 and 6'2. Slot guys that can move. Again, quarterback that if you're in man, you turn your back to him, can just take off and really dominate a game and sustain drives and keep offense opposing offenses off the field. But I don't know that any one guy dominates a game and vaults himself into a place that when you look at the nation's leaders, whether it be uh, receiving or throwing, that you'll see our guys there. I think the only guy that really has a chance to be perhaps – amongst the nation's leader when we're looking at total yardage and touchdowns. and Trey Benson. I think Trey Benson has a chance to be uh, close to, you know, 1,500, 1,700-yard rusher where you would look and say, oh, okay, well, that guy is elite, and you look at yards per carry and all that. I think he has a chance to do that, but I don't think Jordan's passing yardage is going to be there because they'll have games where he doesn't play very long, and they'll have games where they don't really need him to. They're just running the ball. I mean, that Miami game. Obviously, he opens it up with a long pass right off the bat for the touchdown over the top and lifts the lid, but from there, we just emasculated Miami. Sorry, that was the game-winning score. I just wanted to note that. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was. First touchdown of the game was the game-winning score. 
for Florida State. But, you know, you think about that, and then from that point forward, they just decided, oh, you're not strong enough. You're not big enough. You don't have enough what for or want to. You're soft. We're just going to run the ball at you. We're going we're gonna to embarrass you on every play, and we'll run the same play over and over again because you've shown no real interest in wanting to stick your head in there. There are going to be some teams like that that just aren't equipped to do anything about it. And so the receiver's numbers don't go way up. The passing yardage doesn't go way up. And then you're just able to kind of just do what you want on the ground. So your running backs will have good days. Your offensive line will have good days. But the way that that projects and the way that you're spoken about nationally probably suffers a little bit, at least in terms of the yardage leaders and the statistical leaders. It won't suffer in the way that they talk about you as a winning entity. You're going to be a dominant team offensively, and so certainly it will get its fair share of attention. It just will be, I think, a bit devoid of individual awards, and that's probably the biggest argument against Jordan Travis being in the Heisman race. Let's go back to this list here and and look at, and it's a short short time here we have to talk, Dennis Briggs, defensive line 32, and Gilbert Edmond, defensive end 31. Defensive end is a unit, I'll start there and then go back to Dennis Briggs, Defensive end is a unit that I'm not in love with. Uh, you've got elite talent in the form of Jared Verse. You're very good on the other side. You don't have a ton behind it. Gilbert Edmond comes in to try to provide some of that depth. Uh, I was not impressed with Gilbert Edmond in his first camp. We'll see what he does. I need him to be better than he was in camp. But that was a spring, so maybe he will be. And certainly he's played in the SEC. He's not, he's not going to be a bust for us. I just don't know that he's a huge difference maker. He was not in your top 40. Gene had him at number 40 mm -hmm. or 39 tie. And then everybody else had him 32 or better. And the reason is, I think he's going to be in the rotation because he has to. Well, yeah. You know, it's yeah. about impact and, and it's about the access to having an impact on the team. If you're the third defensive end, you're, you're going to have to be on the field. When yeah, Patrick well, Payton is not on the field, you're going to be in that rotation. Well, let's get into what these roles are, right? So you're looking at it as a pass rusher because that's all he really can be. He doesn't look like a guy that sets the edge to me at all. So I, you know, this is where I think Briggs could be kicked out wide again, and yeah. and you may yeah. set the edge, and that's why I almost think I do think he's more important to this defensive line than Gilbert Edmonds. You had him very high at yeah. twenty. I had him among the highest on staff, but not up where you did. Yes, I agree. Versatility. I think he's top thirty for me. This you got to yeah. This is a guy that they list him as defensive tackle. They say they want to keep him at defensive tackle. I don't know if you do a snap count of where he lines up relative to the football. I don't know if at season's end he's lining up as a one or a three. I think he's more often setting the edge for you on rundowns. I think that's where he's valuable. And I think he can do that, and I think it's the first time he's going to be healthy in two years, and I think he has the versatility to stay on the field. You can slide him inside, of course, or slide him out. It's a better way of saying it. I, I, I think that's Dennis Briggs' role. And I, I'm really rooting for Dennis Briggs, who was obviously screwed by a cheap shot against Louisville that I think set him back a good year and a half. I also believe, while well, I agree with that, that on third down, he should line up in the interior with yeah. him and a Brady yeah. Fisk type. You know, you want somebody who's a little bit more twitchy on a third and obvious. That could be Josh Farmer, Braden Fisk, or Dennis Briggs. I don't know that we need to have Fabian Lovett out there on third and pass. In that situation, yeah. He's quick enough to do it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you want to play it. But if you're trying to contain snap counts and you're trying to give everybody a put them in a situation where they could be the most impactful, Dennis Briggs on third and passing should probably be lining up over a guard or a center, I think. Versatility played a huge role in my ranking him, Dennis Briggs, where I did. That, that's exactly why. I'm not telling you he's a dominant player. I'm not telling you he's an elite player. I am telling you he's a good player and a versatile player, and that's why I had him as high as I did. I think he'll have to play multiple roles for this team. Health also had to do with it as well.
it's a theme for the defense. You know, for offense, it's there's only one ball. That's the theme. You know, how how often is this player going to get the ball? Because there's only one of them. Uh, and then also you could look at some of the receivers and tight ends and say, man, they're going to draw great matchups. On defense, it's after you get through that first wave of defensive line, it's who's going to step up? Who's going to be the guy? We know that there are candidates, but there is no surefire mm-hmm, linebacker. Mm-hmm. Sure, I mean, we know who the two starters are going to be, but to be impact players, there's no surefire lockdown corner or safety. And you could say the same, I think, when you get to that second and third level of defensive end rotation. More football talk in hour number two. I'll even start within the state and a lookout moment for a certain program. And our friend Michael Kelly is back in the news, who I haven't had a chance to talk to in a long time. But he's touting all things for this particular program, including maybe being on the move to a Power Five. Chef Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV.